are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. The title of my message today is How to Fight and Win Your Spiritual Battles. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you will just tune our hearts now to hear what the Spirit is saying to each one of us as we realize that we are in a spiritual battle. Whether we like it or not, we have no say in the matter. But Father, we want to thank you that we not only can fight a good fight, but we can also win the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes or the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of, his, of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist the devil, the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Do everything you can to stand firm. When an individual receives Jesus, becomes born again, or gets saved, whatever phrase you want to use, the Bible says we become new creatures in Christ. We're a new creation. We are born spiritually into the family of God. Satan do not want, uh, want to lose his dominion over us. Because before we accept Christ, he is the ruler of our life. So he begins a counterattack to reclaim us for his kingdom. If you once served the devil, and that don't mean you were in the occult or something like that, just by the fact that you're not serving God, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can only have one master at a time. Satan or the Lord. So if you're not serving the Lord, you're under, you're under his dominion, the devil. So at this point, there's spiritual warfare declared against us. The first thing you need to know, right at the beginning of this message, the first thing you need to know is that Satan is already defeated. Okay? He's defeated. Jesus defeated him. Now, here's some things you need to know about the devil as well. Peter calls him our adversary. You'll find that in 1 Peter 5 and 8. Paul calls him the prince 
of the power of the air. You find that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Jesus calls him the father of lies. You find that in John chapter 8, verse 44. Now, this, when, when, I'm, when I'm preaching, it's, it's preaching. It's not a Bible study. But I have given you all of the, the scriptures that I'm using in this message. It's in your bulletin to help you so that you don't have to write down all of the, all of the, uh, the scriptures. But you'll see there that you're getting a whole lot of the word of God. There's a whole lot. There's a good percentage of what I say this morning is directly taken from the word of God. His only power is in his lies. If you believe them, his lies don't have any power over the child of God who believes the word of God rather than the lies of the devil. So our battle is against his works, his schemes to deceive and to destroy you. So the first point I want to make this morning is Satan has a battle plan designed to attack your mind. You've often heard us say that the mind is the battleground of the soul. Spiritual warfare is primarily a matter of the mind. That's where the battles take place. That's where the doubts are introduced. We need to renew our minds daily by the word of God. If we do so, the majority of spiritual attacks will fail before they even get started. When the mind is left open and unguarded, it becomes primarily battlefield that Satan uses to destroy lives. Then he can destroy your finances, can destroy your business, destroy your marriage, destroy your family, relationships, and so on and so on and so on. It is your responsibility to stand guard over your mind. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The only way that you and I can renew our mind on a daily basis is have a daily dose of the word of God. You don't have to read chapter after chapter. Sometimes a verse will do. But you get that word into your heart. And when you need it, it's there. Satan will target your mind. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. That's how he approached Eve in the garden. And he asked the question. He questioned what God had told her. Did God say? Did God really say that? You won't really die. 
God knows that if you eat that fruit, you'll become wise like him. That's why he don't want you to eat it. You become like God. Paul reinforces this truth in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 from the NIV. It says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Don't ever get in your mind that you are too strong in the Lord, that you know too much of God's word, that you have been going in this way for so long that you cannot be deceived. Every one of us can be deceived. So we need to have close communication with God. Why would Satan want to attack your mind? Well, your mind is in sync with your spirit and with your body. Let me say that again. Maybe you didn't realize that. Your mind is in sync with your spirit and your body. The carnal mind caters to the flesh. All of the fleshly things that you and I desire comes from the mind. And Romans chapter 8, verse 7 says, because the carnal mind is enmity with God. When you're walking in the flesh, when you're thinking in normal, early terms, you are not in line with God. He says the, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the laws of God, nor indeed can it be. And that is why the Bible tells us that the unbeliever cannot understand the word of God. It's spiritually discerned. And when something is spiritually discerned in your spirit, your mind is in sync then with your spirit. And when you're walking in the spirit, you're doing the things of the spirit, you're allowing the spirit to control your life. But you cease to walk in the spirit and you begin to allow your mind, your carnal mind, to control your life. You would never... Look at a woman with lust in your spirit. It is when you allow your mind to take over. And the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life takes over in your life and leads you and takes you down that road of destruction. But God's got a better way. He wants you to be born again, filled with the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide your life, to be spiritually minded, to walk in the Spirit. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says, All that is in the world, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, it is of the world. And every one of us, there's not one person in this building that knows what it's like to walk in the flesh. Every one of us has succumbed in some point, in some time of our life. Some of us in days gone by, others of us right now. And we know only too well the pain and the heartache that comes from being guided by our own mind rather than by our spirit. A renewed spirit at that. The renewed mind is led by the spirit and walks in the spirit. Our thought control, our thoughts control our attitude and our actions and the issues of life. The only difference in me now than when I was an unbeliever is that now I am guided by my spirit, man. But it doesn't mean that I can't revert back to my mind. And I do. And so do you, if you'll be honest. And so we've got to guard against that all the time. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. The heart deals with your thought life over 200 times in the Old Testament. And and you can say it another way. Guard your thought life with all diligence because it will determine how you live. So it's important that we walk in the Spirit. It is important that we get into that Word and that we feed our souls, our spirit with the Word of God so that we will rather walk in the Spirit than in the flesh. Our thought life dominates and shapes our attitude. Our attitude determines our actions, and our actions leads to success or failure, depending on where we're at. If we're in the Spirit, we will have great success. But if we are in the flesh, we will experience failure. There may be someone here and say, well, listen, They haven't been in the Spirit for years. I got X number of dollars in the bank. I've got a good pension fund. Everything's going good. I got everything I want. I got all the toys that I want. My friends, the biblical explanation, the biblical definition of success is not stuff. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven 
Jesus said, where moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves don't break in and steal. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Folks, there's wisdom in the word of God. Make that your main manual of life. You don't need some positive thinker to shape your life. You need the book of faith. The mind is the battleground of the soul. Every calamity that comes across our pathway affects our mind. The loss of possessions, the loss of a loved one, employment, in such circumstances, some people will rail against God, but the wise man, the wise woman, will run to him. Satan is a deceiver. And Peter tells us, 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If we follow Jesus' example, we will be overcomers. 1 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You can be plagued by negative thoughts. You can be dragged into depression, looking at situations and the what-ifs of life. If you're not walking and living by the Word of God, the Word of God is a powerful, powerful weapon. We need to follow Jesus' example. We'll be overcomers. Secondly, Satan has a battle plan designed to attack your body. He wants to destroy you any way he can. Satan attacks our bodies because our body is the temple of God, temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. We have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Folks, you don't just dis discard the body. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Our bodies are meant to be instruments in God's hands. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 to 13 says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust or its desire. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Satan wants to strike the body with sickness and create suffering. We see this illustrated in the story of Job. Now, not all suffering is satanic in origin. I want you to know that. I want you to understand that. We're not saying that at all. Some suffering is of our own making. Years of overindulging will eventually catch up with us. The fact of the matter is, from the day we were born... We're dying. The body is not going to last. I'd like to be around with you guys for the next 50 years. But unless I get the the blessings of Noah, probably won't be. The body can only take so much abuse before succumbing. So Satan can play an indirect part even in that, right? Satan attacked Job with sickness and suffering. Every area of his life was under attack. His wealth, his health, his family, his relationships. Job's faith was... Tested, to say the least. His trust in God was put to the test. And so James says, you have heard of the patience of Job. This verse indicates that Satan's purpose was to destroy or to get Job to be impatient. To stop continuing to trust God in his suffering and give up. See, patience is an important Christian virtue. We're waiting on an answer from God in the midst of a time of trouble in our life. And the longer it is before that answer comes, the harder it becomes to trust the Lord. Unless we have patience to endure to the last storm of life, we will never learn the lesson that God intends for those storms to teach us. Someone has said, we'll never know how many times the answer was so close. Maybe even the very day that we decided that God was never going to come through and we stopped believing for the answer. Job is not the only saint who felt it 
the attack against his body. The Apostle Paul has a similar experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. I won't read that, but you know the story. God's answer to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. When I'm going through a difficult trial, when things are not going the way I think it should, when I am suffering, when I am under attack, I always remember this. His grace is sufficient. Do that mean I stop praying, I stop believing? Not at all. I've often said, if I pray for somebody and they drop dead, it's not going to stop me from believing, it's not going to stop me from praying and believing that the next one will be healed. I leave the things that I don't understand with God, and there's a whole lot that I don't understand, folks. But I've got a deep, settled peace in my heart and my spirit that the God I serve is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. When suffering of any kind comes your way, immediately submit yourself to God. Continue to give God worship and praise and thanks in spite of the problem. Trust in his word. Romans 8, 28 says, For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I'm a firm believer that God's got a plan and a purpose for my life. And until that plan and that purpose is fulfilled, I'll still be around. Amen? You must believe that he'll work it out to your good in the end. So don't whine or complain, but speak the word of God into the situation. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen? Number three, we can be victorious in this fight. We know our enemy, and it's not people. The Bible says, I read it in the beginning, it's not flesh and blood. That boss that's giving you a hard time, he's not the devil, but the devil might be working through him. That pastor who's giving you a hard time, he's not the devil. But the devil can work through him too. That Christian that you've looked up to and, and really thought that they were just so great, that disappointed you, done something unchristian towards you, 
He's not the devil. But the devil can work through him too. Unbelievers are captives. This is why Jesus said that he had come to set the captives free. Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, just Jesus speaking. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and to recover the sight of the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Our war is against Satan and demons. We don't go looking for them. You don't have to look. They're all around. But Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. What is truth? Jesus said, My word is truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, when you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you became a righteous man, a righteous woman. The Bible says we are justified by faith. That means just as if we had never sinned. That's a miracle of grace, my friend. And every one of us was in that same boat. We've been made righteous by the word of God, by the power of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the good news of the gospel, above all, taking the shield of faith. Amen? Not positive thinking. It's faith. Faith is based upon the word of God. Positive thinking is based upon what somebody has fed into your mind and causes you to believe something. Can be powerful. Not as powerful as faith. Amen? The shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. There it is, salvation again. Get it in your mind. Get it in your head. Get it in your heart. Let it connect with your spirit of who you are and what Christ has done in your life. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's your weapon. That's your weapon. Amen. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Prayer, very important. Praying in the Spirit, very important. I'm going to tell you, there are times when you get on your knees or you look to God in prayer and you don't know what to say. You don't know how to say it. Start to pray in tongues. If you're filled with the Spirit, if you say you're filled with the Spirit, you have the ability to pray in tongues. Amen? God don't hit you over the head with a piece of two by four and say, now speak in tongues or I'll hit you again. It's a gift. He's given it to you. And you need to use it in prayer. You're a powerful warrior when you do. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication of all saints. We know our weapon. And it's both defensive and offensive. The armor of God. The whole armor of God. 
both defensive and offensive, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation are to protect us and defend us. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, is a powerful offensive weapon. God's word is truth. Jesus said, John chapter 8, 32, you shall know the truth. We sang about this morning. And the truth will set you free. Only the word of God can reveal and defeat the devil's lies. Jesus used the word to defeat Satan in the in time of temptation in the wilderness. And we must do the same. It is written. You got to know what is written. You can't just say what Jesus said. Okay? You can't just say those words. That's not a, a magic formula. It is written. But then you've got to know what is written. So read the word. Believe the word. Speak the word. It has the answer to your question. If you're being tempted to sin sexually, what is written? What do the words say about that? What do the words say about fornication? If you're being tempted to steal, what does the word say about that? If you're being tempted to be unfaithful to your spouse, what does the word say about that? If you're being tempted to cheat on your taxes, what does the word say about that? See, you got to know. Just saying it is written, don't do. It is written. By your stripes, Lord, we are healed. We were healed. We need to have good communication with our commander. The word and prayer together will ensure certain victory. With this, I am through. Is our, is our uh, worship team ready to come? Amen. Praise the Lord. Folks, we're in a spiritual warfare, but the good news is we're winners if we'll trust the Lord. All right? We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.